Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Shiny. Okay. A U N American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar? The public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Welcome everyone uh we are so honored and thrilled to have as our guest tonight bob schultz back from an extended recovery uh he he suffered a heart attack and had a triple bypass operation on election day uh but he'll tell us the whole story and we'd like to wish Dee a very very happy birthday uh my birthday was a couple of days ago Dee's birthday was last thursday thursday or Friday, excuse me, uh, on the first. So, uh, but uh, we are thrilled to have, as you can tell from Bob's voice briefly before the show started, uh, it sounds a lot more like what we're used to. Uh, and we're, we're, we've been praying for you, Bob, uh, for your health, for your return, for your recovery, and uh, thrilled to have you back. Don't want to make this a long call, because uh, but any highlights you can share with us on, on the call tonight about your health and about anything related to your court cases, that's, that's about it. And I'm sure we have a lot of people who would love to, love to ask you a few questions. Rose Lear and Bill are on. 
we got a whole whole bunch of people on here, Bob. So thank you for coming on briefly tonight and, well, my and being back with us. Well, it's good to be back, and uh, happy birthday to all of you. So it was a great surprise. I was out um, about the let's uh, see, the mountains, the land. Wait a minute, Steve. Do we have a sound check on Bob's voice? Does it look like it, it sounds like it's reverb? He's breaking up there. No, it's the connection, Fred. It's not on here. It's not on you. No, no. It's so not I, I'm uh, okay. Bob, are you are you calling in on on Wi-Fi or are you on your phone? Are you asking me? Yeah. Okay, that's much better. Whatever you did there, maybe you were in the uh, you went to a different side of your house there. Now we can hear you. It was just breaking up. Your phone was breaking up there. It sounded like okay. So what I was saying was, um, I had my mountain logged, and um, so these guys they take uh, they, they cut the limbs off and um, take the trunks, right? So it occurred to me that I should go up behind the house. Two three hundred feet with my chainsaw and uh, trim the trim the uh, branches and uh, bring them down behind the house where I would then cut them up into lengths for the firebox and so on. And I noticed that day something I had because I walked my mountain a lot that uh, I was getting winded as I walked up and I so I stopped. And this will pass. And it did. So I started again and it got winded. And very unusual for me. Yeah. And eventually, um, Judy was out with me. And so I said, I've got to sit down. <laughs> so I sat down a while and said, this will pass. Well, it didn't. And this, um, uh, you know, ache in the chest was oh, wow. developing. And I said, well, I'm going to go inside, sit in a recliner and uh, rest, and this will pass. Well, it was just getting a lot worse. Eventually, I had Judy um, drive me to the hospital here in Glens Falls, and uh, it was it was really getting very bad, and like I was crying out. And um, so she got me there, and it was like a scene out of... Um, like the television show or movie where all these people descend on you and yeah. uh, everyone's got a job to do. And in no time flat, I'm on my way to a, a CAT scan and they put nitroglycerin under my tongue. I guess that dilates your, your arteries in your heart. And um, they would, that was just to check out and see if I had any uh, couple of very serious problems in there which I did not, and they kept me overnight to uh, check. Uh, I hope this doesn't get too heavy for everybody, but when you have a heart, your, your heart leaks uh, enzymes and three different kinds. Two of them don't matter, but there's troponin that does matter, and they check to see if that's elevated. If your heart's been damaged, it, uh, you, you leak more of this particular enzyme. And they keep you overnight and check every six hours. And, of course, it was elevated, so 
that meant uh, we had to get in there and put some dye in there and take pictures. And that's an amazing thing when I saw those those uh, pictures of my arteries and what was in my arteries. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, it's something that, uh, but for the risk involved and the co- and the cost, it's something that thought you know people should get uh, taken. Uh, I don't know frequently in their lives just to check how they're doing, how their hearts are doing. So uh, it, uh, it it showed um, this plaque buildup and and. Um, at the stem of where three of the main main arteries came off the stem, there was a buildup there, and it was mobile. And a kid, they couldn't put a stent in there, um, so they had to do a bypass. And and uh, they don't do that here in Glens Falls, so they had to ship me down to Albany. And so uh, had the operation. I have four kids, and um, one's in Tokyo, one's in New York City, about a three, four-hour drive from here, and two others are local. And uh, had the operation. When I woke up, they're all there. The one in Tokyo, as soon as he heard, he got on the next plane, and uh, and they just uh, it was great to see them, and they took good care of me. They they don't keep me in the hospital very long. I had the Heart attack on the fourth, the operation on the seventh, and they got me out the door on the eleventh. Um, but you um, have to take care of yourself. You can't lift, and and uh, you just have to watch your diet and take these, these medications and the rest of it. But it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's not something I gave much thought to. My younger brother had a quadruple bypass. My older brother had a triple, but they, as I say, they drank and smoked and cavorted, and I never did any of that stuff. So I thought I was immune, but found out it's in your genes. So, of course, I've had to uh, warn all of the kids and the grandkids that they're at risk, some element of risk there. Uh, so, you know, it's been uh, quiet, but recovery. Um, I am, I think, fully recovered. I feel great. Uh, we've had quite a bit of snow here. I've, I've got a 1,300-foot-long driveway that I know have snowblowed a few times in the last uh, few weeks. So I'm really feeling good. Um, glad that's behind me. Um, but once you have it, you find out it's something that is very common. A lot of people uh, have uh, heart disease and uh, have bypasses and valves replaced and pacemakers installed and even new hearts. It's uh, never gave it much thought until now. So God bless uh, the competency, the you know the ability of these hospitals and doctors and. You know, these physicians, they're, they're uh, just m- remarkable. This hospital I was in, St. Peter's in Albany. What's that? Yeah, you there? Go ahead. No, go ahead, yeah. Bob. Somebody yeah. Else. So this hospital at St. Peter's has a reputation as being the best in the cardiology area or in the state.
great, and it just lives up to its reputation. So anyway, that's uh, that's that, and uh, I just would encourage people to watch their blood pressure and um, help put these things off. Um, hey, Bob, can, you go back for a checkup on that, or how does that work? Do have they have they do, do they do a reexamination X-ray, or how does that work? Uh, well, they do an operation like that. Well, there are cardiologists and, of course, surgeons. And uh, yeah. I had one uh, visit with the surgeon who, who pretty much just takes a look at the scar and sees yeah. if that's all healing well. The cardiologists, though, they they um, just ask you questions. They, they, look, they ask you questions about symptoms, different symptoms you may be having. And, of course, I wasn't having okay. them. And... Um, but then they do, uh, you know, I've never had to worry, never had any, I've always hesitated ingesting anything, and that goes for uh, just anything, medicine. And, uh, but with this, there are um, three uh, pills that I have to take for the rest of my life. So that's the... A downside, I guess. No, the, the cardiologist um, asks you questions, and um, let's see. Though there is a, yeah, uh, there's something coming up uh, where um, they're going to take some blood and and do maybe a, a stress test or something of that sort. I don't know. I don't, you know, I just put it on the calendar and go, but I forget what it is. That's, but no, there's not much in my case. There just wasn't much. Uh, you, you see people, you, and they just ask questions, and but I was fine. So, you know, I guess people can have complications, but I haven't. I've been blessed. I, I haven't. I'm better now, I think, than I was before. Uh, my physical strength and everything. So that's over. I've uh, been doing a lot of uh, thinking and work. Uh, back to work. Doing a lot of thinking about our our state constitution and getting involved in a particular case, um, I might ask uh, uh, folks to to think about what the word Republican, small r, the philosophy or the ideology means rather than capital R, the, the political party. Um, most people, of course, just simply don't know, you know, what the word means, and um, and yet it's uh, an ideology that is centered on citizenship in a state, organized as a republic under which the people hold popular sovereignty, and. Uh, may not know this, but in the U.S. Constitution, Edmund Randolph was largely responsible. He was a delegate at the um, Constitutional Convention in 1787, and uh, he pushed for uh, this language that we now find in Article 4 of the U.S. Constitution, and it's um, 
it, it, it guarantees Article 4, Section 4. I'll, I'll just uh, read it here. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and so forth. Um, and he pushed for that, Edmund Randolph. Uh, he was a Virginia lawyer who served in the uh, Continental Army as an aide-de-camp to, to Washington. And he was a, re- a member of the Virginia Constitutional Convention in '76, and a state attorney general and a delegate uh, to the Continental Congress and then, of course, at the Constitutional Convention. And he pushed for this um, language in the, in, the, in the Constitution. He, there was a resolution that he introduced and passed, and he said that this language has two objectives, and that is to secure Republican government and to suppress domestic commotion. And he urged uh, the necessity of both provisions. And so what, you know, what does republicanism mean? Um, It's a, it's not a new ideology in America. It's one of the primary founding principles upon which the federal Constitution was established, um, and it's under Republicanism. We, the people, uh, were meant to hold the ultimate power in our society, and anything, anything that resembles monarchy or anarchy, between more or or a few people take it upon themselves to govern according to what they think is best, then republicanism uh, becomes inoperative. You know, you simply can't have two masters in the house. Um, so republicanism, uh, it, it means the rule of law. It means government based upon the consent of the people. Uh, popular sovereignty, something we in America enjoy that no one else on the globe enjoys. Everywhere else, it's a parliament or a king or a dictator. Somebody else is in charge of the ultimate power, but here the people have the ultimate power. And um, when, 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 so in relation to our Turn our attention then to our state constitutions. Um, not very many people know that there is a their states have a state constitution, and uh, not very many people are schooled in their state constitution. And yet, it's uh, extremely important. I've devoted a good part of my life to defense of our state constitution here in New York. Um, it, it governs the behavior of every single elected and appointed official in your state, from your town, city, county, state. Um, 
far more seldom does the federal constitution, which hardly ever comes into play in the day-to-day administration of your state. And most people don't, and you know, the, the, the terms of their state constitution, we set the government up and our constitutions are, it's, it's us, the people, giving up some of our power to the government. Both in government um, and uh, you know, prohibitions or state constitutions are full prohibitions, mandates. And of course, they embody all the underlying principles of times in our declaration of independence. Uh, but most people Fred's lost his connection five times so far, so yeah, I don't know. I, I had to move to a different location. Bob, I was just connected five times. <laughs> I, I had to drag to a different location, so I, I'm okay now, but I, I'm going to keep it on speaker because for some reason my phone is disconnected. So, But um, I just heard the, 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 the crackling sound on Bob's phone again. It just happened. I don't know. Try again, Bob, and see if we if we're doing better now. Are you there, Bob? Okay. You still connected? It's not at your yeah. end. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, that's much better. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Bob. I was saying it's really not at this end. So um, anyway, we're talking about you know your state constitutions, and I've uh, given a lot of I, I spent a lot of my time uh, defending our constitution here in New York. Um, how's the reception? Is it better now? Yeah, much you're better, fine. Bob, much better. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, so your state constitution defines what it, it's, it's it's the very definition of a republic and a government Republican in form, and a government instituted by the sovereign people to secure their rights to life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness, and so on. And it lists the power the people had given to the government. Um, your state Constitution is the supreme law in your state. It, it cannot conflict in any way with the U.S. Constitution. I mean, obviously, the U.S. Constitution um, reigns supreme. But within your state, your state constitution is is the is the supreme law. And as I say, Article Four of the U.S. Constitution guarantees that every state in the union, it guarantees a Republican form of government. And so I refer to it as the Republican clause. Some people refer to it as the guarantee clause. So under it, you, every one of you, are guaranteed a Republican form of government. 
wherever, whatever state you live in. And according to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Republican clause, quote, presupposes the continued existence of the states and those means and instrumentalities which are the creation of their sovereign and reserved rights, end quote. To repeat, according to SCOTUS, the Republican clause presupposes the continued existence of the state and those means and instrumentalities which are the creation of their sovereign and reserved rights. So your uh, state constitution is one of those instrumentalities. And the federal government and the Supreme Court declares that the Republican clause of the Constitution presupposes the continued existence of the instrumentality. So even though your state constitution, ours does not, New York state constitution does not mention the word Republican. Um, But because of the U.S. Constitution, the people in our state are guaranteed a government Republican in form and substance, I might add. So uh, it is the creation of the people of the state. It's the means by which the government, by which government based upon the consent of the people is to be accomplished. And according to the Supreme Court, without the limited powers of your state constitution, your state could not long preserve its existence under the form of government guaranteed guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. So we've gone, uh, here in New York, we've gone far afield, very far afield, from where our state government is supposed to be. Um, If your state is like New York, in any manner like New York, then then you've gone afield. The the contrast between the way the government is operating and, and the way it is designed to work is very sharp here in New York. Our written constitutions, however, merely promise republicanism. It's a promise to enable the blessing to continue. Our constitutions must be adhered to in a very careful and thorough way, which is only possible with citizen vigilance and the courage of our individual convictions. The divine rights of free men must be protected by the people. As Jefferson said, the natural progress of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. Natural progress of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. 
went on to say that we have the greatest opportunity the world has ever seen as long as we remain honest. Cherish, he, he said, cherish therefore the spirit of our people and keep alive their attention. He went on to say, if, if once the, the people become inattentive to the public affairs, you and I and Congress and the assemblies and judges and governors shall all become wolves. It seems to be the law of our general nature, he said. This is Jefferson. So let's face it, the Constitution cannot defend itself. That task has always belonged to we the people. The Constitution cannot defend itself. Um, I don't care. There's a lot going on here in New York State, and uh, that's unrepublican in form and and uh, in substance. Uh, speak briefly about four uh, examples of what our state is doing in violation of our constitution, state constitution and its laws. And of course, the very definition of Republican, as I say, is uh, the rule of law. That's what we mean when we say with government Republican in form. So you've all heard of Amazon. Um, last October, the net worth of Amazon uh, became $1 trillion, $1 trillion. And Amazon's founder, a guy named Bezos, his net worth between October of 2017 and October of 2018 was increased. By uh, it increased by $78 billion. One man, his net worth increased and, and brought him up to a net worth of $150 billion. Um, notwithstanding the fact that they are who they are, and notwithstanding that we in New York um, are the most heavily taxed people in the country with the worst, you know, economic outlook uh, because of that tax, because of our taxes. So last November, November of 2018, New York State and Amazon signed a memorandum of understanding that includes a contractual commitment by the state to provide Amazon with money and grants and refundable tax credits valued at $1.75 billion. Amazon agreed to build a headquarters, two headquarters, one in Virginia and one in New York, in Queens, New York. And New York State is giving them 
$1.75 billion, and New York City has given them another $1.25 billion, so a total of $3 billion. And under the uh, agreement, the monetary grants total over $500 million, they would begin this year with a grant in the amount of $33 million and continue for 15 years with the final grant in 2033 of $60 million. And under the uh, agreement, the annual tax credits total $1.2 billion. That will also begin this year. So what does the state constitution have to say about such a deal? And, and there are government have the right to approve such a deal. Well, in our state constitution... Hey, Bob, Bob your, phone's, your phone's starting to modulate again. I don't know if it's... Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's this phone. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, Did you hear that? I didn't hear it this I mean, time. No, it sounds fine to me. It did? Okay. All right. I'm going to go to a different location on my car. I'm going to drive to a different location. Keep going, Bob. It might be because it's so cold, Fred, where you are. I don't know. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, okay. So, um, let me just move around a little bit here. Very inspiring what you're saying. I'm... uh, I love that you're talking about the state constitutions and how people are so unaware of them. And, and um... Yeah, it, it, it's so sad. Um, so our state constitution has an article on state finances. And um, Sinead reads in part, I'm quoting, Money of the state shall not be given or loans to or made of any private corporation or association or private undertaking, nor shall the credit of the state be given or loaned to or made of any individual or private private corporation or association or private undertaking. And, well, that's pretty clear. In uh, Section 11 in Article 7, no, no debt shall hereafter shall be hereafter contracted by or in behalf of the state unless such debt shall be authorized by law or some single work or purpose to be distinctly specified. And no law shall take effect until it shall at a general election have been submitted to the people and have received a majority of all the votes cast for or against it at such election, end quote. So our state constitution in very plain language prohibits the gifting of money or credit to any, uh, in aid of any private undertaking and uh, and the contract of debt, which we're doing when we commit to give them $500 million over 13, over 15 years. So it, it pro- prohibits the contracting of debt unless there's a law passed and, um, and that law is then put before the people for their approval. So... Um, it's, it's in clear violation of our state constitution, and 
the Republican clause of the U.S. Constitution. We are guaranteed a, repu- a government Republican in form where the rule of law is, is, is to be followed. So, we have another, there are three other current examples um, that I've been concerned about and have taken to court. Um, Article 3 of our state constitution uh, deals with the legislature. And and it begins with the words, the legislative power of the state shall be vested in in the Senate and Assembly. And Article 3 of our state constitution reads, each member of the legislature shall receive for his or her services a like annual salary to be fixed by law. Neither the salary of any member nor of any other allowance so fixed may be increased or diminished during and with respect to the term for which he or she shall have been elected. The provisions of this section and laws enacted in compliance therewith shall govern and be exclusively controlling according to their terms. So we, the people, of course, have not given the legislature the right to transfer its lawmaking power to anyone. But in uh, 2018, in April, during the budget process, the governor signed a bill um, negotiated by by himself and and it's three men in the room that's laughed about here in the state. Three men, uh, the head of the Senate, the head of the Assembly, and the governor get together and negotiate. And a lot of what happens in the state is the result of three men in the room. But without a separate vote by the legislature, that bill created a, a committee, not a committee that's outside the legislature and outside the executive branch. And it's the Committee on Legislative and Executive Compensation. It was established to examine, evaluate, and make recommendations with respect to adequate levels of compensation for each member of the legislature and each statewide elected official, including the governor, and, and the commissioners. And it, it goes on to say that the recommendations of this committee, that's not a legislative committee, it's outside the legislature, that the recommendations shall have the force of law, shall have the force of law. In other words, whatever they come up with shall have the force of law and they are to uh, make their recommendations on December 10th and uh, will become effective or did become effective on this past January 1st. So the legislature, you know, finishes up their work in New York State in June. It's a part-time legislature. And uh, they're certainly not in session on December 10th, and they're not about to call a a special session during the holidays. to abrogate or modify these recommendations. And so they just just became effective, but without being fixed in law as our state constitution requires. So that's something uh, that has concerned a number of people, including myself. And uh, two other 
examples of the silent demise of republicanism in New York State. It's very silent. It's just happening. Uh, no turmoil. Just a slice at a time. We're losing our, our freedom and government is gaining ground. And uh, with it, republicanism has, is disappearing quietly. Um, the other two examples, we have a law in New York State that's being violated. Um, it's a law that was passed in 1947. I'm quoting, all the teachers of the state shall teach all the children of the state in public and private schools in grade eight through eight on, eight through 12. Um, I'm still quoting, the history, meaning, significance, and effects of every provision of our state and federal constitutions and our Declaration of Independence. Judy and I graduated high school in 1957. We were not taught. You know, by the time the law is, by the time each rising generation finishes high school, they are to know, A, their state constitution, most people don't know, um, and, uh, but they are to know what's in the state and federal constitutions, how they got there, and the power and purpose of them. Um, it's not taught. My kids haven't been taught. My grandkids haven't been taught. I did not know until I was 51 years old there's a state constitution, only because I was you know, involved in, in, in the, the case against the government of locally. And in reading a, a court decision, the judge mentioned the state constitution. And I said, what's that? <laughs> I learned there's something between us and the legislature and uh, the governor. Um, and, and it's all that stands between us and total tyranny and despotism. It's the state constitution. So it's not taught. Um, this is section 801 of our state education law. It's a law. It's just not taught. Um, and there's another issue, another example of our silent demise of republicanism. Um, that I've included in this most recent case here, and that is um, what's going on in our judiciary. Our state constitution mandates that all our state Supreme Court justices, you know, here in New York, um, we, we obviously have county courts and city courts and so forth, but we also have a, a state Supreme Court uh, that has two levels. The lowest level is, is the state Supreme Court, and you have state Supreme Court justices in every county. Here in my county, it's rural, we have one state Supreme Court justice uh, operating out of our county. Um, down in Albany, there are 10. In Albany County, with a higher population, there are 10 and uh, more down towards the city and so on. Uh, so we have state Supreme Court justices. 
And then uh, if you go to sue the government, there are three levels. There's the appellate division of state Supreme Court, and then there is the highest court, the Court of Appeals. So our state constitution mandates that our state Supreme Court justices shall be elected by the people to 14-year terms. But yet what's happening in New York for a long time, uh, this governor and his father, they they uh, they have been appointing uh, friends, uh, people who have were in the legislature who voted for their signature legislation. As an example, uh, people who have run for and lost uh, an election for a state supreme court justice seat. Um, the governor has been appointing people to what we call the court of claims here in New York and then immediately assigning them to the state Supreme Court. Um, And their title is acting state Supreme Court justices. And, you know, when you sue the governor and the legislature, um, you almost always you have to sue them in, in Albany County, which is the seat of government here, state government. And so uh, when, when you are bringing an action against the governor or the legislature or you're defending the Constitution in one way or another, uh, we find that we are, the cases are being heard not by judges beholden to the people elected, but more often than not, they're being heard by judges who are appointed and beholden uh, to the defendants in the case. Um, so it's, it's been in Albany County, seven of the 10 state Supreme Court justices are acting state Supreme Court justices appointed by the governor. But, um, it's another example of the violation of the rule of law. These are substantial powers that I've been talking about, Uh, the power to elect your state Supreme Court justices, the the power uh, to have debt incurred by the state approved by the people before they can go ahead and and, uh, issue that debt or contract for that debt. These are, are, um, and, and all laws, you know, having salary, having compensation of, of, of these legislators and, and uh, statewide elected officials and commissioners, having those, having that compensation uh, fixed by law by our representatives in the legislature who would, you know, where, where the measure would start out as a bill and it would go to committee and there'd be hearings. These are substantial powers that um, the people have. And, uh, and as, uh, as go those powers, so goes rule of law and government based upon the consent of the people. So in, in any event, I've uh, brought a case under the Republican clause of the U.S. Constitution claiming that there is a peaceful, a demise of Republican 
republicanism here in New York State, and I've given uh, these examples. And yet one more example. Before I brought the case, I uh, petitioned for redress of these grievances. I, I was not long, it was November 28th, so it was only a couple, maybe three weeks from my operation, but I felt so strongly about this, I went down to Albany and um, walked around and, and served the governor and the majority leader and the minority leader of, of our assembly and our Senate with a petition for redress of these grievances. You know, uh, our First Amendment guarantees five freedoms, fundamental, unalienable, natural rights. Guaranteed, um, they're natural rights. The government didn't give them to us. We have them simply because we're alive. The right to worship freely, the freedom of press, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, as we're doing here tonight, um, and the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. Um, if we, there are three ways to hold the government accountable to the rule of law. Um, two that most people know about, and one that hardly anyone knows about. Um, unfortunately, and, and those in, in wielding governmental power like it this way, um, they want us to con continue to believe that if we don't like what our government is doing, then we must do one of two things. They don't mention the third way that's written in the Constitution, uh, the third right that we have. But, but they say, if you don't like what's going on, just vote for somebody else. Or if you don't like what's going on, take the matter to the judiciary. They want us to rely entirely upon the electoral process and the judicial process. But the founding fathers were so brilliant. They, um, they knew that these two institutions, uh, electoral and judicial institutions, were human and therefore subject to corruption and um, and and they so what did they say in the Declaration of Independence after listing all of the grievances? You know the Declaration of Independence, the pocket-sized version, is five pages. Three of those pages are listing the grievances. You know, it goes on and on. He, the king, is doing this, and he is doing that, and they, the parliament, are doing this and that. And at the very end of that list of grievances, uh, you, you have what constitutional scholars call the capstone grievance. It says, in every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress and are but our repeated petitions have been answered only with repeated injury. In other words, they were ignored or even worse. Um, 
and then it goes on and says, a prince or government, a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which would define a tyrant, is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. So in other words, we declared our independence uh, because government refused to answer our petitions, the people's petitions for redress of these grievances that they were experiencing. We declared our independence over the right to petition and government's obligation to respond. And so uh, we don't have any case law. There's no, no court in our entire history has ever declared the rights of the people and the obligations of the government under the petition clause of the First Amendment. So you have to look at history uh, and, and look at the framers' intent. Uh, what was the world like before uh, framers added those words? What did they say while they were adding them? And, and what was the world like afterwards? And we find, that, we find out that uh, when you do that historical review, you find out that um, right off, you know, the Declaration of Independence, how, you know, the expression of the importance of the right to petition, and that it was the failure of the government to respond that basically led to the Declaration of Independence. Um, so the framers put that right there in the First Amendment. <laughs> they they, um, they they so today we we have to rely on the historical review. Uh, to find the, the full meaning of it. And, we, and when you look at history, you see that the, uh, it, it goes all the way back to the Magna Carta, the year 1215, where the words petition for redress were first mentioned. So the king, John at the time, monarchy with absolute power, <laughs> You couldn't sue them. They, they, you know, absolute power. But he signed the Decla the um, Magna Carta, and in Section 61 uh, goes on to say that if the people have any evidence that the monarchy has infringed on their rights or not appropriately kept the peace, they can petition for redress, and and the government has 40 days to respond. Um, and if they don't respond in 40 days, the people have the right to take the, everything that monarchy owns except the life of the king, the queen, and, and the chief justice. Uh, it mentions they have the right to, to take their castle lands and possessions from the monarchy. Um, and that right was established there or recognized and grew. And of course, as the people over there began to populate our shores in the 1650s time, um, they carried that right with them. And uh, the relationship between the people here and, and the government of Great Britain was excellent for a very long time um, until the end of the French and Indian War when England, when France was gone, but England was left with all these standing armies 
and uh, they started to treat the people differently here than they were treating their own people back in Great Britain. And um, and that led, of course, to uh, uh, more and more petitions for redress of these grievances. Uh, but beginning at the end of the French and Indian War, those petitions were not being answered. Um, certainly not responsibly. Uh, they weren't being addressed. And that went on until 1774 when uh, we had the Continental Congress. And uh, that, that Congress uh, guided us through the Revolutionary War, the Articles of Confederation, and eventually uh, called the Continental the Constitutional Convention of 1787, and they ended up, you know, putting uh, that right, the right to petition, uh, right there in the First Amendment. There's a story that Madison uh, a few of the delegates to the Continental to the Constitutional Convention wanted that language in the First Amendment to say that we have the right to instruct our government. And uh, the story goes that Madison said, no, that won't be necessary as long as they have a, an obligation to respond. And, and uh, ended up with, with the current language, um, just the right to petition for redress of Redress means remedy, the right to petition to remedy these grievances. Um, and so after it was passed, added to the Bill of Rights in 1791, then um, things were really great <laughs> until 1836. Uh, if the people petitioned their government for redress, they got an answer. In fact, if you petitioned a member of Congress, unless the petition was totally libelous or frivolous, it always went to a committee. And every Monday, Congress dealt with petitions for redress of grievances. But in 1836, uh, the Southern congressmen prevailed. They had enough of them in Congress to get a gag rule passed. They didn't like these petitions coming in from abolitionists um, who wanted to end the practice of slavery, and so they, the Gag Rule said, "Well, we're going to we're going to table these permanently, <laughs> and we're not going to respond." And that was the first time government went on record saying they didn't have to respond, and um, and it's been downhill, you know, and ever since. Uh, but it took John Quincy Adams who was president and then went back to Congress. It took him nine years to get that gag rule repealed, but the damage had been done. So my point is, here, you know, in November, I listed these grievances, you know, that we have a law that requires all teachers of the state to teach all children of the state in public and private school from grade eight on, the history, meaning, effect, and significance of every provision of our state and federal constitution and declaration of independence, and it's not, and that, that law is being ignored to our peril. 
people don't even know there's a state constitution, for instance, much less what's in it, and, and therefore are not in a good position at all to be able to keep hold the government accountable. Um, and uh, petitioned over the, the fact that we're appointing these judges. And, um, and this Amazon deal, in violation of our state constitution. Why? Because some say it's because of ambition. Our governor has, is known to be, uh, have an eye on the presidency. And so he's doing a lot of things of that sort in here to lay claim to them, I guess, later. I, I don't know. But, um, and this pay raise commission. So all of these violations of the rule of law were put in a petition for redress, which asked, you know, laid out the facts and respectfully requested a response. You know, are, are, are my facts wrong? Uh, if so, what are, what are the facts? Uh, but answer, you know, and, and there was no answer. And so uh, we put it together in a, um, in a complaint, which is uh, in federal court uh, because it's the Republicanism clause, but also the First Amendment right to petition clause, the government didn't answer. And so that's a, another violation of the rule of law. And uh, I expect, um, and there's every indication now that, that uh, I mean, it's foolish to go to state Supreme Court justices because they're acting state Supreme Court justices and they're, they're beholden to the good governor as a defendant in the, in the legislature who are defendants in the case. So it's kind of silly uh, to take it to, to state court. So you go to federal court uh, and you hope that it's, you know, that, that uh, the federal court will, will, you know, scold one of their children, so to speak. And, uh, but I, there's every indication, though, that it's not going to be smooth sledding in the federal court either. So um, that's uh, my latest case. I um, was talking to my son uh I've been wanting to write a, a book, um, and I was talking to my son uh, over in Tokyo uh, a couple of nights ago, and he said, you know, Dad, you know what, <laughs> you know what? maybe you should, uh, you know, something may happen. In other words, you might kick the bucket, and you won't have your book done, and, and all of this will, will go away. It will just not, not be, uh, there'd be no... No takeaway from all of this. So, anyway, I I don't know if these principles run so deep in me uh, yeah. that it's hard. It's just hard not. It, it's hard to turn a blind eye uh, to a lot of the things that government is doing. Political. This is not political, right? I just believe defense of the Constitution is, is frankly service to God. And um, our Constitution is based on biblical law, and it's certainly worth defending. Um, so, uh, you, know, you know, questions that, uh, I mean, you know, 
what can be done? What can be done? Because one of my takeaways uh, is that individuals in small groups cannot prevail. If anything, the last 40 years has taught us all uh, on this call, for instance, that individuals in small groups cannot prevail. So I preach the need to institutional citizen vigilance, make citizen vigilance an institution. And, um, and, and so we've tried different, over the years, there's been, we and others have attempted to institutionalize citizen vigilance. And I have thinking um, about be the people and its experiences, and I've come up with a um, an approach that I would like to uh, institutionalize citizen vigilance. That um, that I at this point, you know. Uh, you always take the appropriate next step. And I think this is the appropriate next step. So state by state, let's just take your state, Fred, um, Illinois. It's in a world of hurt, a lot of hurt, Bob. What's a lot of hurt, right. Okay, so what can we do about it? Here, Here's an approach. Here's, here's what... Uh, I'm giving a speech in, in New York City on Saturday, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna run this by those it's, it, boy. If this place that's hard to get people to you know find conservatives, uh, it's New York City. So, but this is a conservative group, a liberty-minded group, and um, I'm gonna run this up their flagpole. But I'll do it here tonight too, and and so. Uh, take a moment, get a pencil, a uh, pen, piece of paper. There are a couple of things here that I would uh, ask you to make note of. First of all, this website, uh, www.census.gov, C-E-N-S-U-S, census uh, forward slash quick facts and then forward slash the initials of your state. So if you do that for Illinois, it would be census.gov slash quickfacts slash IL. And there you get a couple of numbers, lots of numbers, but a couple of it are listed right there. The population of your state, Fred, is just short of uh, 13 million. It's... 12,741,000. Okay. And then it gives you the the number of uh, people who are under 18, under the age of voting, for instance. And in your state, Fred, uh, the percentage works out to be 2.8, you know, roughly 2.8 million people. So you're down to uh, people above above voting age of 9.8 plus um, million people. And I say uh, 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 a, a, our target should be, say, 3%. could be 2%. But let's say 3%. Uh, 
That's 295,000 people throughout the state of Illinois. And let's say uh, these are people who uh, want to see government held accountable. I think they're out there. I think a lot of people want government held accountable, but they're individuals in small groups and they don't know how to go about it. And, and uh, But if we had... Uh, if they if they if they were organized, if they were uh, behind a program whose single purpose is to hold government accountable to the rule of law, beginning with their constitutions and the laws pursuant thereto. Okay, so twenty five dollars each. That's seven point three million dollars. So let's um, uh, so this the plan is first of all you adopt the plan and the and the plan is simply to adopt, to institutionalize citizen vigilance and the plan would have an organization established let's call it. We the people of Illinois, and the work's already been done for you. We have We the People of New York here. It's been incorporated. Costs fifty bucks. Probably the same in Illinois to incorporate a not-for-profit. And uh, so it's easily done. We the people of Illinois gets established. And then you divide the state up into 10 regions. Not too difficult. And each of those regions uh, produces a director for we the people of Illinois. And every state, other state doing the same thing. And the, um, the, the directors uh, work and they get a bank account in each of those 10 regions. There's an overall bank account for the statewide organization, but it has these sub-accounts in each region. And there's a trust agreement. This is key. There's a trust agreement that each member uh, signs along with the uh, organization. And the organization and the trust agreement says that $25 sits there in the, in, the, um, in the bank until the goal is reached statewide. Let's say it's 3% of the population at $25 each. That's $7.4 million roughly. So it's it's 7.4 million or bust. And you give it, say, a year uh, to reach that, that amount. And, and the trust agreement says, if you don't reach the amount, I get the money back. OK, less whatever fees the bank is charging, which is not much. So now what do you do when you, when you what, what does the plan call for? Um, you, Plan calls for uh, 
Constitution monitors, uh, people who are retired or semi-retired and they have some time on their hands, and they're, they want, they basically want republicanism in their state. They want government based upon the consent of the people. They want the rule of law. They want all of those fundamental things that, you know, fundamental principles followed. And, and so they're, they're, as monitors, they then monitor, you know, they go to, you know, the county board being monitored. You have the town boards, the city councils, the state. They're all being monitored. People just very professionally, very quietly, they observe what's happening. And they are, they've been trained. There's a very effective training program. Do you have the money to do this? There's a very effective training program. And, and these monitors are, these training programs are held in a law library uh, in their county. And uh, they can see uh, and become uh, familiar, not with every word, not with every provision, but but they see they're in the library, but, but they can also do this, they learn how to do this online. They, they can see the law of the state of, say, Illinois. And they can see the Constitution. They become generally familiar with it. They can see all the state laws, all two, three hundred of them, whatever there are. Um, they know, they learn that there's a general municipal law. And under the general municipal law, if things are being procured, they have to be procured by competitive bid and all that. You know, they, they don't need to become experts on the law, but, but they learn that there's a, a local finance law, general municipal law, and so forth. And so as they observe their town or county or city going about its business of governance, they they get on the mailing list for the agenda, you know, for the next meeting and so forth. And if they and they see the resolutions that are proposed and and something rings a bell and says, I wonder about that and they go and 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 they check into the the law and if they and if they see a conflict or if they suspect a conflict they're trained to submit a paper to that governing body. It's a petition for redress of the grievance. And it, it basically says, look, this is what the Constitution says. This is what the law says. This is what you're doing. Um, tell, tell, tell me, I've got the facts wrong. Uh, but respond. Uh, this is the relief that uh, we're asking for. And don't forget, as they're doing this, eventually those people running the government uh, recognize that 
that that monitor, that Constitution monitor that's been showing up at their meetings is part of a statewide group that's part of a national group. Um, you know, there's that saying by Jefferson, when the government fears the people, uh, you have tyranny. When the, uh, when the government fears the people, you have liberty. When the people fear the government, you have tyranny. So right now, the government doesn't fear the people, not at all. Individuals and small groups simply cannot prevail. So they submit a petition for redress of the grievance to the governing body. And, and, uh, and if they don't get an answer, then they submit the plan would, would call for a citizen vigilance center staffed with people familiar with the law, attorneys or not. I'm not an attorney. I've been doing this for years. Uh, but by the way, there's a citizen vigilance center, and, and, and so this petition for redress that has gone unanswered, the proper petition for redress, it's not frivolous, it's not libelous, it's proper. It's a First Amendment petition. And by the way, every state constitution guarantees the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. Every state constitution, not only the federal First Amendment, but every state constitution guarantees that right. So it goes to the Citizen Vigilance Center, and they investigate, and they recommend a course of action, either legal action or civic action. Now, and if it's, now the plan would have these monitors, these county uh, directors, uh, but would also have hundreds of thousands of, of uh, supporting members. Uh, and when the call goes out for, you know, and of course they're all being kept up to date on everything happening in their county and state and so forth. Um, and when the call goes out for civic action, you know, they turn out. They turn to. Um, they, <laughs> they go in their closet and they get their charity response team jacket and they show up or whatever. Um, so that's that's the plan that um, I'd like your comments on. Why not? Why not uh, set up in your state, Fred? We the mm -hmm. people of Illinois, and and uh, it's set up. It's clearly incorporated to hold government. Its purpose is to hold government accountable. And um, why not divide the state up into 10 regions? Why not get one individual in each of those regions uh, to be on the board? And uh, why not get a bank account in each of those regions and, sp and start spreading the word that the people are organizing to hold government accountable peacefully, hopefully? Um, and, um, and there's a trust agreement, and it's 25 bucks a year and, and uh, stays there and if we don't reach this goal, because without the goal, without the, without the numbers of people working together, praying together, working together, um, it's not going to happen unless we uh, you know, do this by the numbers. So um, 
you know, the training point. 3% of the population of Illinois, is that of adults or the total population? Or no, no. Uh, once again, if you, if you go to your uh, census page, you'll see that the population of Illinois is uh, just a shade under uh, 12.8 million. And you'll see a number there of those under the age of 18. So subtract, and, and in your state, uh, that's uh, 2.8 million, just a shade under 2.9 million. And okay. so, subtract, so subtract that from the total population, and that brings you down, Illinois, to just a shade under 9.9 million. Then, okay. you take three, then you take 3% of that, and that gives you... That gives you just a shade under 300,000. And then multiply okay. that by $25. And you've got, you know, you've got something to work with. You, you can, you can uh, construct your citizen vigilance center, and I would hope they all look like Jefferson's home, architecturally the same Jefferson's home down in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Hopefully that would, that would be nice. Um, but you've got enough to do that. You've got enough to uh, uh, train these Constitution monitors. You've even got enough to, to give a little stipend, you know, uh, to, to these uh, monitors. Um, and then uh, and hire these attorneys, uh, these people familiar with the law. And now you're, you're, now you're getting some success. And, and so more people join, you know, or they renew their memberships. Um, but without that uh, budget, without the ability to do these yep. things and have the budget to do it, I think that's what we, we've, you know, we've been going about it. We've, we've tried to rally the troops, so to speak, uh, but a pay-as-you-go uh, approach. So you, you, it hasn't worked, you know. You, yeah. So this is a new approach. And it's based on, you know, your solution is only as good as the definition of the problem. And so the definition, the, def, the definition of the problem in, in my 40 years has always been changing. I mean, it's been, it's like you put one person in the room to define a problem, you get a, defi you get a definition of the problem. If you add more people to that room, more, with more expertise in certain areas, you, you get a, a a better definition, a more accurate definition of the problem. And I think that's where we are. At least that's where I am in my lifetime. Um, that it's going to take an approach like this. You, you've got to have that budget to work with and, um, and have a solid plan. And, and then with that budget and those people in place, you get it, you're going to have some success. And, and, um, and you want to keep, then you want to keep that organization from becoming corrupt, you know, because um, it's going to be a human, you know, undertaking. So, but you can, wouldn't it be wonderful? You know, we were cautioned, we were warned that this day would, would have to come someday. Um, but for the people to be vigilant and to institutionalize that citizen vigilance, that's worth pursuing. So I, I would, Edie, you out there on the West Coast, and, and Steve, uh, what do you think? You can go to uh, 
census.gov, quick facts, get your total population, subtract a number of uh, those under 18, and uh, multiply that number by uh, 3%. Multiply that by 25 bucks, and you'd, you'd have your budget to work with. And I think people will uh, readily, readily uh, become members if they knew that they'd get that money back if the goal wasn't reached. Um, yeah. but, but if that goal is reached, that, now you've got some, you know, we've never been able to match the power and, and the money and the resources of, of government. Uh, but with this approach going on in every state, then, of course, you know, you, you, you'd be focusing on the federal government as well in the U.S. Constitution, and you'd have the, the, the power to do that. So I think that's, that's, I'd like to see that before I pass. This looks pretty good. It's a good idea, Bob. This is Steve in Charlotte. Uh, reminds me of what we did, except this is a lot more organized uh, as far as getting a group together with what we did 10 years ago when we filed uh, uh, the petitions, like, uh, uh, you know, I did here in North Carolina, like Jim Pompasano did in Missouri, and Fred did Chicago, and in Illinois, right. and Didi did in Portland. So, yeah, I think it's it's a really good idea, uh, especially getting a group because you'd have uh, you'd have a lot more muscle. Yeah, you get the numbers, um, and of course the budget to work with, and and if you go about the work carefully, thoroughly, uh, you'll have some early successes and. Nothing builds success like success. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it becomes an institution. It's 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 as much of an institution as the Congress and and your state legislature and executive branches. But it's the people organized. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, Excellent idea. Yeah. So um, in anything. Uh, I can do the help. Let me know. Is all this? This uh, is you. You've got this uh, on, online, right? All laid out because I remember we looked at it before. Isn't it all there defined? Well, I was trying to think. Um, yeah, it's a, really. There's an organizational chart, but isn't what's different here, Didi, is the trust agreement. I remember. Um, yes, there was a plan. Uh, and, and I remember holding a few meetings around New York State, and I remember this one guy. I was saying, uh, you know, we'd like to reach, uh, I don't know what the number was, 600,000 people here in New York. We've got almost 20 million people. And um, so this one guy said, well, let me know when you get to 599, then I'll give you my $25. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So sure. I, remember, I remember that. And, and it makes sense. You know, you can, as we've been doing, you can fund an organization and it's spending your money as they're trying to get off the ground. It's, I mean, we've got this experience. It's very hard. I've, I've taken no money, at, zero money, at, and I've spent uh, it, it, between, Bob, two, uh, between 2000 and 2008, I've spent $110,000 of my own money. And so a takeaway here is, okay, um, why don't we try this approach? 
you know, is, would this be the appropriate next step? And I think so. There would be people, I think, who could hold the government accountable and get them under control for 25 bucks. And if you don't reach that goal and get my money back, I think you'd see that, that those members signing up and, and those bank accounts uh, filling up. Hey, hey, hey Bob, uh, just this brings back to mind uh, when Ron Paul first, you know, launched his grocery campaign after the AFTF days, uh, where one of the biggest things that was so powerful that uh, it created the interaction of, of, of the viewing public and the donors. It, on the website was a scroll of, of every donor, you know, and where they came from and the amount and whatever, and the running total would be updated in real time. And there's a guy who we ran into at uh, one of the conventions. It was the one in Iowa where we did the rally for Ron Paul. And uh, he's the one who, who in, in, inserted himself and created this website and uh, ended up working directly for Ron Paul. And, uh, and that, that website was copied by all the other political campaigns after that. But it was the first time this interactive website. It sounds like you're talking about a new technology, a financial technology, this trust agreement brought into the world in real time online that could be actually backed with legal teeth, financial legal teeth, it sounds like it could be uh, extremely powerful if people yeah. were to get exposed to something like that. Right. Yeah. You're breaking up, Bob. Yeah. Bob? Hello, testing, Bob. Uh, Steve, do you hear that modulation? It's it's really breaking up bad now. Yeah. I don't know. Am I breaking up? No. It's Bob. Yeah. Yeah, it's here. Wait a minute. Let me go to a... I don't know. Now you're all right. I've never had this trouble. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, sorry about that. Uh, no, okay. Much better. Much better. Bob, it sounds like this this could be a, a new financial technology for fundraising that could be extremely powerful. Just got to come up with a name because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the legal teeth with the trust agreement and the online it sounds like blockchain technology, some of these cryptocurrencies have. These are smart contracts is what you're talking about. An intelligent uh-huh. smart contract. And then nothing, nothing would deploy uh, unless and until, because people could pledge their Bitcoin or pledge their crypto into what's called a smart contract. It would never be debited uh, until the, the parameters of the contract were all met. And that could be totally... Above board, transparent, and legit. Okay, well, um, we've got the uh, incorporation documents that can be uh, followed. Um, I will go to work and get uh, the trust. I can work with you, Fred, and get the trust agreement um, modeled or, or written. 
and um, I don't know. Let's, yes. let's, let's make it happen. Let me know what I can do to help. Well, let's try this. Uh, let's try this name. Let's uh, use the name Smart, like Fred's last name, and call it Smart Pack. So we're making a pack with different people of the states to form a group. So we call it Smart Pack. Okay. Well, the Citizen Vigilance Center is certainly uh, a project whose time has come. I, I think if it was a book in itself, it would spread like wildfire. Yeah, there's an indication here in New York um, that, that uh, people are picking up on this uh, Citizen Vigilance Center idea, and that's mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. So, all right, uh, what's next? Um, well, I, I think we, we can close out this call tonight, Bob. I uh, don't want to drag it out too far, but I think what needs to be done here is, is to come up. Uh, I think my friend Al Jordan, has been, he's been deeply involved in these things, these smart co intelligence contracts. I think, he, I think between what you're talking about on this call tonight and that technology, you merge the two. Uh, you could turn the, uh, uh, one of these contracts and put it online. I, I think even a, a, a beta version of something like this would be extremely powerful and exciting. Just put, uh, create a little YouTube video, explain it to people, uh, and, 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 and then launch it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want, well, we've got to do this step-by-step, step, Fred. Uh, yep. first, first, you want um, the organization. Yep. Uh, established and that's just a trip to the Secretary of State's office with your yep. with your papers to get incorporated and yep. uh, we're we're happy with ours here you're certainly you know I can just send me an email and I'll send you the incorporation papers for we the people of New York and you can model it it would be nice if a lot of them we can model we can amend ours if 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 mm -hmm people feel, you know, that it, it needs amendment. But uh, it would be nice to have those organizations across the country in each state. Um, I know when we incorporated ours, Connecticut incorporated exactly the same. I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, one of okay. their key has died. Uh, oh, and, okay. and so that's, that's a problem uh, with startup groups when you have the leadership. Um, you know, die. <laughs> um, uh, there are other people in the organization, but uh, leadership is a skill. So, yeah. uh, uh, so uh, it would be nice if each of the states. Um, so there was we the people of Oregon, <laughs> we the people of South Carolina, North Carolina, and so forth, um, and and their incorporation papers were all the same. Everybody's, you know, together on this. That would be good. And then um, the plan is pretty straightforward. Uh, the trust agreement, hopefully, is uh, been worked over by experts, and and it, it's it's a trust agreement for for each um, uh, for each state, uh, for each organization and their people in their state, and uh, with a little publicity. Um, I mean, it just takes it out of the realm of politics, you know, yeah. it, it, it puts the focus where it belongs, which is, you know, there isn't a problem we have or ex that we're experiencing uh, in our country 
that could not be solved simply by following the Constitution. You know, the Constitution can solve all these problems. But anyway, um, uh, let's do it step. Uh, let, let's uh, do it step by well, step. Bob, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely talk to Al, and I'm, I'm sure something can be worked up to share share with you. Uh, you know, by email or whatever in the next couple of weeks, and because uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I think it, it, it sounds like it's, uh, you know, if if, yeah. if something could be done to put the outline together and then activate that outline with the information and substance, uh, yep. even though yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll do the outline, I'll do the outline, Fred, and the three. It seems to be the three most significant components uh, of the plan uh, would be, of course, the trust agreement, and then the citizen vigilance centers and the constitution monitors, the, the people who are actually you know, on the front line, so it's people who have a little time on their hand. And if we follow the plan, there ought to be something there, a little stipend you know, for those who, who need it um, and uh, to cover some of their costs or whatever. Uh, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll write up the plan and do a, uh, a graphic. Um, it needs, the one I have, uh, the organizational graphic, uh, needs just a little adjustment, a couple of adjustments mm-hmm. for this. But uh, we'll, we'll do that. And where does, and where, does, uh, Al, where does Jordan live? He lives in Potomac, Maryland, or Bethesda, right outside of D.C. Okay. Oh, all right. But he, okay. You, know, you would have access to the technology and the people, not me. But I'll, right. I'll definitely give him a call tomorrow and jump on this for you. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go to work on laying out the plan and uh, look, look to you guys uh, for the trust agreement. Uh, it's the trust agreement, um, the, way, the way I see it, uh, this, each state gets divided up into 10 regions. And um, and then in each region, uh, three, three uh, there there are there's a, a region director, but then you get three people who are chosen and are in charge and uh, and make sure you know that the trust agreement is adhered to and the bank account is opened and and. Uh, and everything runs according to the plan. Okay. All right. Well, I, uh, the hardest part of this, Bob, is going to be manning this, just finding the people. That's the hardest part. Yeah, you know that as well as anyone. You know, this, this whole thing is such, you know, the, the, the amount of, of damage that wrong people involved can, can wreck, uh, wreak havoc upon an organization is, is incredible. Yeah, I know they they've uh, done their and they're still at it, but I've out, hopefully I've outlasted them. I'm uh, my case against uh, the government. By the way, we got a our organization, We the People of New York, was one of those in the class that uh-huh. brought the action against Lois Lerner, and um, you know the court ordered uh, the IRS to pay the government to pay three and a half million dollars uh, to this class of organizations that were um, 
discriminated against. And uh, we, the people of New York, got its check for $14,322, one of the the 100 organizations or so that were in that class. Um, Oh, wow. Congratulations, Bob. Jay Sekulow was behind that too, right? Who's that? Jay Sekulow. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, well, there were there was a law firm in Cincinnati, yep. and and one in Kansas City, and okay. um, there was a woman who put up the money, and they they motioned the court out of the three and a half million, uh, the, the court agreed that one point that the legal fees would come out of that, and so yeah. the three and a half million there was about a, uh, I don't know. One point half of that roughly went to uh, legal fees. So the other one and a half million was split over all these organizations, including ours. And, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that's a good precedent, though. I mean, uh, the whole thing there it was viewpoint discrimination, and that's what they've done to our organization and me. They didn't like our viewpoint. And, and so, it, as I say, it's very hard for individuals in small groups to prevail. They can, as they did, they pretty well, pretty well wrecked uh, yeah. the People Foundation and my life. I mean, I've been at this yeah. now for years, but yeah. uh, more, more than holding my own against them. So, but it, as I say, it's, you know, a solution is only as good as the definition of the problem, and this is part of the... That the, the problem is they can, you know, individuals in small groups, they can make it impossible for them. Uh, hey, Bob, uh, last, last, last question. I know you got to go, but Judicial Watch, Tom Sitton versus Larry Clayman, uh they know about you and we the people, and you've met them and everything else, but is there any crossover that could be done with either one of those individuals in, in light of this uh, moving forward? Well, I think uh, if all the people that I know and have met and so forth, um, a judicial watch, their, their focus is on freedom of information, get, getting yeah. information from the government. That's, that's their focus. Um, so, they, they don't like to veer away from that. Uh, yeah. I would say there's a better chance of, uh, you know, I've been on, uh, uh, you know, I've been on Hannity's show years ago. I was on uh, Napolitano's, uh, Judge Napolitano's show, yeah. Neil Cavuto's show. Um, I don't know. There's... Uh, uh, these these uh, these networks. It's all about ratings, and yeah. it seems to me one network has, you know, is is uh, are the. I don't know. I, I don't. We want to avoid politics, uh, but there is going to be a need, you know, to get this word out and, and get it get people talking about it. And so we need to think about whether we want to use those outlets or not. I mean, I don't know. It'll, it'll, it'll happen. I know it'll happen. 
uh, once people realize that the people themselves are getting together, um, there, there's, in my view, there's many people who who know the truth, or who are, or who may not know, you know, the divisions of the Constitution and the history and so forth, but they instinctively know there's something wrong. But the problem is those people are more or less isolated one from another, and and the need is to really um, bring them together. Bob, one, one last comment, and then we'll, we'll circle back with you. But uh, in the last five to ten years since we've had this show, so many platforms have been developed on YouTube and on these other places, including Alex Jones. It's, it's just mind-boggling the amount of research and really good good work that's being done to expose information to the general yep. public out there. It's just incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. to us, anything that you know, we, we were doing things with the old technology, the old stuff, and I, I'm just blown away. CD is on top of this far more than me. I can just barely keep up when I, you know, subscribe to these YouTube channels and try to watch here and there. But it truly is uh, a, a massive, massive up, uh, awakening of awareness and knowledge and information and dissemination. Uh, it, it's just... I've got one guy who did the Money Masters, Bill Still. You know, remember him? Remember that name many years ago? Certainly. He did the series, uh, Bill Still. He's got his own YouTube channel, and he's got some, you know, 100 plus thousand subscribers, and he's he's putting out really great work. And and there's so many brands out there that are on YouTube that are just, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand subscribers. Uh, Mark Dice, this conservative activist, has got. You know, two, two million subscribers. That's, that's well, that's kind of, all, yeah, all of that. We, we lost Mike Bodine. He was our our guy on that. Oh my God! Yeah, Mike. Yeah, he was Mike. he was so good. Yeah. So Mike um, would have been all over this stuff. Uh, Bob. Mike was yeah. was always kept in touch with all that stuff. Yes. All right. Well, we so, have to. Uh, that'll be very much a part of um, you know of the plan. So. I think we'll get, to, getting together with a lot of these platforms and a lot of these uh, relationships that are out there putting out good work, they need to be exposed to the, the basic thumbprint we the people documentation or, or just plan outline. And, okay, and so who's, I, the, I'm sure if you, so who's huh? the coordinator? Who, who, who are we going to use uh, to help us get on all these platforms? When we get oh, our gosh. It's, it's going to be just like like I have ideas, but I'm not the only one. There's so many people. Yeah. I mean, Dee has a few relationships. I mean, we all can just do a, a, a little bit at a time, as you say. Uh, all right. There, there can't be a. I can't take it on myself. I, I can I can contribute. I can network. Uh, as I've done on this call with with Dee and Steve for the last 12 years, and and yeah. and. and so, but that right. would be our we'll, contribution. We'll we'll get there. Uh, we'll we'll uh, define the plan, get our act together, and then we'll uh, as we'll focus on getting the right trust agreement, getting the right uh, platform and platforms uh, to to uh, make this happen. It, it'll happen. And we'll right. make it happen. Uh, Bob, thank you so much. Step. So glad you're you're still with us and your, your voice is back, your spirit's back, 
Uh, we are so grateful, so proud, and uh, on behalf of Steve and Dee Dee and Betty and everyone listening, thank you, Bob, and uh, we'll circle back with you. I'm, I'm going to be uh, gone next week, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm heading down south for my son's baseball uh, program. His first uh, game is down in Atlanta. My wife and I are flying down there. But uh, we, may, we may have a guess, but I'll let you guys know. But, uh, Bob, I'll circle back early next week on this, okay? And get out, and we'll, we'll have a little three-way conference call on that trust agreement, okay? Yeah, let's have some fun making it happen. Okay, good. All, All right. right. Good to be with Thank you. you Great to... Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I got to have it. It's too cold here, guys. Thank you, Bob. I'm so glad. Seven degrees tonight. <laughs> Oh, gosh, Fred, you better get home. Thanks, Bob, yeah. for everything. You in. All right, thanks, American Underground Network. Have a good week, guys. Bye-bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus